Okay, so I believe we're going to be uh, joined here by uh, uh, Jabari Brisp- uh, State Senator Jabari Brisport. Senator Brisport, are, are you there? I am here, John. Great to see you. Okay. All right. It's great to have have you uh, back with us on uh, on WBAI. And um, uh, first of all, I, I want to hear a lot about how, how things are going for you at your new job up in uh, Albany. Uh, but first, I wanted to get your a reaction to last night's uh, events, both the the NYPD crackdown on the Black Liberation March uh, that arrived at City Hall, as well as the NYPD attacking uh, striking workers um, up in the South Bronx at the Hunts Point Produce Market. Um, people were arrested there as well. I mean, I just want to start first and foremost by saying, you know, deep on the cops, deep on the police, like this just speaks to the fact that policing is ultimately in and of itself and inherently a violent institution. So uh, and I know you just spoke with someone who has been, been brutalized by the police and, you know, my heart goes out to them. And I'll, I'll be out with the on the striking workers at Hunt's Point uh, tonight, actually, with uh, several other of my, my socialist colleagues to, to stand in solidarity with the workers. Right. And, and last week, uh, um, New York Attorney General Letitia James uh, filed a, a lawsuit uh, uh, trying to Im- uh, looking to impose a, a monitor on the W uh, on the NYPD to uh, more closely scrutinize how they handle protests. Is there anything else that uh, the state government can do uh, to try to address this situation here in New York? It it really seems like our mayor has uh, really checked out on this and has lost control of his police department. Yeah, of course. I, you know, a lot of times it's, these same police officers getting away with the same violent behavior over and over again. I know the state legislature repealed 50A last um, spring, summer, you know, to open up police records. And I'm actually um, putting forth an amendment soon with assembly member Harvey Epstein to strengthen what they did. Uh, you know, police, the, the police unions have still found a way to shield their records and make it difficult to obtain. Um, so we are pushing a bill to ensure that these police records, especially those of violence, are publicly available and easily accessible for those who wish to see. Right. And, and uh, so that I mean, that's good to hear. I know, yeah, the police unions have really been fighting that uh, tooth and nail. Um, so um, but, but now turning back to your arrival in, in Albany, uh, you, you ran for an open seat uh Last spring, uh, in the 25th district in uh, in Brooklyn, which uh, encompasses uh, neighborhoods in Central and South Brooklyn, and and you won by over 20 points. Uh, so you, it seems like you really came to Albany with a with a mandate. And uh, so, what have you and your other socialist colleagues been focusing on in these uh, these first days of the new session? Well, as always, we're supporting workers. So again, you know, several of us are heading up to to Hunt Point tonight to stand with the workers. But we've all been very focused on ensuring that we are fighting against the governor's proposed austerity budget because we know he is going to be pushing for service cuts to working class communities and among social services. We are pushing to tax the rich um, and fund New York State um, to the tune of an additional $50 billion at least in annual revenue. And we actually released a response to the governor's state of the state with our own uh, socialist state of the state uh, last Thursday that we aired and invited more people to get on board with the campaign to increase taxes on the wealthiest people in our state and and, and fund a much more robust social safety net. Right. And uh, can you talk more about uh, the strategy you all have in mind for for winning 
$50 billion in tax increases on the rich when Governor Cuomo uh, for years hasn't budged on taxing them uh, one extra dime. Yeah, of course. We are leveraging the fact that we do have the supermajority now in both the Assembly and the Senate, and that we have leadership in the Assembly and the Senate that is much more amenable to raising taxes on the wealthy um, than uh, than the governor has been, you know, ever. <laughs> and, you know, we have a lot of new colleagues that are more progressive. You know, we have more socialists and more, more left-leaning members of, of both chambers of of the state legislature and we'll be, you know, utilizing our own internal organizing and whatever outside organizing we can do with the Invest in Our New York coalition to ensure that there's enough pressure um, from both outside and inside to, to, to pass this. Can you talk uh, some more about that coalition? Because uh, there's a lot more groups than, than just the Democratic Socialists of America pushing these kind of initiatives, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, um, oh, well, I'm going to get in trouble for leaving someone out now. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of great groups involved from Citizen Action of New York to the Alliance for Quality Education. Um, there are a lot a lot of groups involved, and I know somebody's going to tweet at me now for, for forgetting them, but uh, it, it truthfully is a, a massive sprawling um, coalition from organizations across New York State um, fighting for a bigger pie for all of us um, to ensure that there's funding for education and for transit and for energy and for healthcare and for, uh, for housing, you know, really ensuring that we have, we can fund the things we need. Right. And and can you give an example of, of some of the taxes that you all have in mind in terms of how, how exactly you go about getting that money? Sure. Uh, one of them, it's a package of six bills. One of them is you know not going to be too unfamiliar to anyone, but it's an increase on the personal income tax uh, in a much way that is much more progressive and, and really targets higher, higher income. And there'll be one I'll be introducing and, and you know, sharing with Senator Sanders um, in the Senate, which is an heirs tax, tax on inherited wealth. Um, you know, inherited wealth has been the biggest driver of the uh, the racial wealth gap in terms of uh, white be- white people being able to own um, very large estates or very large inheritances and, and pass them on um, with without with it being barely being taxed um, to to their children. Right, and and there was a push in 2019 uh, for a, a Pieta Terre tax for for millionaires and billionaires with uh, luxury second, third, fourth homes. And uh, that, that died actually died in the assembly. Is, is that uh, another uh, measure that's uh, back again? That, uh, I, yes, I forget who is reintroducing it. And it's, you know, it's not part of the investment on New York package of six bills, but I think we're all in support of ways that, you know, tax, <laughs> tax high incomes and tax um, high amounts as well. Right. And, um, also uh, today, the uh, the MTA uh, postponed a, a subway fare hike that it was uh, contemplating uh, that would have uh, hit a lot of essential workers uh, at a really difficult time. Uh, your reaction to that and, and uh, how uh, the state should uh, uh, handle the MTA going forward, it's really taken a financial beating during the pandemic. I mean, I'm going to really applaud their decision to, to post um postpone that and, and not do the fair hike. It, it, we are still at a time where so many New Yorkers are still really, really struggling just to get by and an increase like that would, would just, you know, direly affect the uh, the most at-risk members of, of, our, of our state. And if anything, we need to ensure that, you know, when we're increasing the revenue, we're able to fill in those budget gaps for the MTA 
uh, and, and ensure that you know people can, can go where they need to go without um, seeing incessant fare hikes. Would you like to see the subways uh, running 24 hours again? Yeah, I, I mean, that is one of the most beautiful things about the New York subway system or the New, you know, New York transit system is that we have a, a claim to fame of having a 24-7 um, subway and bus service. And I, I think we should get back to that, especially, you know, with the opening up of 24-hour, excuse me, 24-7 like COVID centers. It's, it's really hard for people who, you know, want to get uh want to get to the center at, a, at an off hour if, if the trains are not running uh, absolutely and, and i w- want to talk a little bit more just about sort of uh your new life as a, a state senator uh, the your story and the story of some of the other people you ran with on the uh, dsa slate uh last last spring is, is really fascinating i mean you've made the leap uh, from being a, a middle school teacher obviously you were very active in dsa uh, for several years, and you'd been an activist for a number of years before that, but you've now made this leap from being a, a middle school teacher to a state senator and uh, some of your other colleagues. I mean, Marcella Matanias was a tenant organizer. Uh, Farah Soufrant Forrest was a nurse. Uh, Zoran Mamdani was a, a foreclosure counselor. Uh, in terms of what that's uh, been like, uh, can you just talk about uh, navigating this whole new world in Albany that you're now a part of? Yeah, well, I'll start by saying, you know, I, I definitely miss my students. I, I do not miss the uh, little delayed light uh, lesson planning that I'll be doing uh, nightly. But um, the, the transition has been going well so far. You know, it is a lot. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have run for office if I didn't think it was important and that I, I could represent this district well. And, you know, it's been, it's been exciting to meet a lot of new colleagues and a lot of uh, new stakeholders uh, in, in the district and continually building with, with my colleagues. You know, we can ground ourselves because, you know, we constantly check in with each other, um, me and the other members of the Socialist Place, and check in. I, I lean on Senator Salazar heavily whenever I have um, freshman legislator questions um, that I'm just, I just need clarification on, and, and she's been a great asset in helping me navigate the waters as I, as I you know, make my way through Albany. Right. and. Uh- uh, you joined us on WBI in June when you were uh, still a candidate for Senate District 25, and, and you spoke about yourself and, and, and the slate of uh, Democratic Socialists you were running with. And uh, I think I think we have a clip here from then. Uh, I, I want to run here for a sec. It really does feel sometimes like we're the socialist Power Rangers. You know, we have extreme, um, um, extremely working class people who are of their communities that are not your typical people that uh, came up through like typical stereotypical means or lawyers or you know business people that is so commonly elected to um, office. But people that truly like live and suffer, like the people in our communities every single day that can speak to the the crisis that we're in firsthand, um, who see you know what it means like when people are getting evicted. Um, left and right in your district or when kids can't get an education or when our hospitals are underfunded. It, it means something to us, not just in theory, but it's a lived experience. All right. That that was uh, a Jabari Brisport candidate for state Senate uh, joining us uh, last June from uh, right directly from a George Floyd protest in, in Brooklyn. Um, looking back then and, and now, uh, Senator Brisport, uh, if you could talk a little bit more about um, you know, just being on the inside and, and, 
that the challenge of, of maintaining a balance between being effective on the inside and navigating all those relationships, but still being uh, someone who's uh, an agitator from the outside and, and, and building a movement from the outside. I mean, I think what's great about coming from an activist background is that I can bring all my passion from the streets right into the halls of Albany. And I am still meeting. I'm, I'm still, there's some legislators I, I still haven't met with yet, but I'm, I'm excited to meet with. But, you know, when you're an organizer, it's all about building things, right? Even when you're out on the streets shouting, it's because you're trying to build a better world. And um, that's what I'm doing now in the, in the state Senate is I'm, I'm building together with my colleagues. I'm already with them to co-sponsor a legislation, a progressive legislation. I'm, we're working on legislation together. And um, I'm still out, you know, I'm still out in the streets. I'm going to Hunts Point tonight. I was actually at a, a Tax the Rich um, to, to stop the fair hike rally earlier today. And, you know, what's great about my line of work is that you don't need to give up your activism in order to become a legislator. You, you can marry the two of them. And I think it's important to continually check in with movements on the ground and have that outside um, that outside voice guiding you as you as you navigate, you know, the inner inside of the political structure. Right. And uh, I mean, speaking about uh, passionate movements from the outside, uh, not all movements are uh, necessarily egalitarian minded uh, or, or have uh, social justice as their priority. And we. Uh, saw that in particular on on January sixth in Washington D.C. with the insurrection that uh, Trump uh, inspired and the the mob that marched down to uh, Capitol Hill and and wreaked ha- havoc and and threatened the lives of a number of uh, legislators there. Um, I, I wonder how are people uh, uh, taking that in in Albany? Uh, are are there concerns that? Uh, these right-wing extremists might show up there there are definitely concerns and you know you know even on the day of the six you know for uh you know senator thomas kevin thomas uh was being harassed by someone on the highway some you know some right-winger trump supporter was following him on the highway and and, and harassing him and you know our a lot of us do have the fear you know um you know some people even like you know even go so far to talk about you know removing their state place so they can't be identified as a, a politician um for fear of harassment and they, there has been an increased um security presence at the capitol building with an entrances uh closed off to minimize the number of ways people can get, can get into the building but i think that um we are entering a new era with the transition of administrations um, from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. And, you know, um, I, I do think not having a person like Trump at the bully pulpit of the most powerful position in the world will cause a large shift in political discourse and the amount of, of emboldenment that right-wing agitators feel. I mean, I think I even saw the amount of like fake news traveling around decrease precipitously after Trump was banned from social media platforms. Right. No, he's uh, he's truly been a, a political arsonist for the the past few years, um, yeah. and, and now they took uh, took a, a bunch of his uh, matches away, um, and also uh, looking b- back at this uh, uh, January sixth insurrection, uh, are, are you concerned that that sort of all protest and, and sort of all all unruliness in the streets will um, be uh, be tarred in the same way? 
and, and that that uh, movements from the left uh, demanding uh, justice uh, de- and you know demanding higher taxes on the rich and everything else that you're fighting for uh, will be uh, delegitimized. I'm be I'm going to be honest. I've heard that concern, and it, I'm of the opinion that movements from the left have actually been more targeted and and seen as more dangerous than what we than what we saw on the sixth. I mean, I have seen I saw so many protesters brutalized for protesting that Black Lives Matter. And when you compare that to you know these right wing protesters um, violently storming the Capitol and almost being aided and abetted by police forces. Um, you know, I, I do think it's important that we don't decide to just, you know, permanently increase police presence um, and police budgets in order to, you know, protect, you know, or, or you know, in order to, to deal with what happened on the sixth. But um, I don't know. I, I think there's always been more of a crackdown on leftist movements than, than these right wing attacks. Right. Uh, was certainly the. It, it certainly seems like the the right the right wing uh, gets a. Uh... It gets a, a a free pass on on a lot of what a lot of what they do. I, I guess I was just curious if um if in the the attempt to to crack down on the right wing, it, yeah, if, if if um you know the media and, and and more mainstream political figures will um recoil recoil in horror at, at the sight of any any protest, no matter what the the cause or the 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 inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I hear that. Yeah, and I, I've even heard people say, you know, don't refer them to them as as, as terrorists, but that word will be used with it as against the, against the left. And I know I still think it already was. You know, Donald Trump called every Black Lives Matter protester um, Antifa, and then said Antifa were terrorists. Um, this true. <laughs> this is, um, you know, we're. I, I almost feel like leftist movements are already under siege. But but I I do hear you, and I. I, I, that, that's all, that is why I don't think we should respond to this by saying more cops, more police, because inevitably that, that, that does end up coming back to, to harm, um, left-wing movements. Right. And that, that, I mean, in, in DC, that Capitol Hill police force had a half billion dollar budget and, and over 2000 police officers in the end, they just opened the front door and watched people, uh, uh, pour on in. Mm-hmm. Um, Alrighty. And, uh, uh, I guess, uh, last of all, um, I guess one other subject that's, uh, you know, uh, very close to you is, is public education and, uh, your thoughts on the situation right now for, for public school teachers and students as the infection rates continue to climb. And there's a, a lot of concerns about this, uh, new variant of COVID-19 that's, uh, much more uh, transmissible, uh, uh, should, uh, should, Governor Cuomo uh, uh, pull back on the idea of, of trying to uh, get uh, students back into the classroom at, at this point in the in the pandemic. I, I I mean I really think we should wait until the vaccine is widespread and widely delivered. That you know that's been my position for a while, and I it, it's continually putting uh, teachers and administration in danger or the families of some of these students. You know who you know um, if, if it begins to spread and um, you know, I really do think that the safest option is to wait till till the next uh, school year when we can have the vaccine much more widely distributed throughout the populace. All righty. Well, uh, we'll leave it there. But uh, State Senator Jabari Brisport, 
thank you so much for joining us on WBAI 99.5 FM this evening. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much. All righty. Well, we'll be back uh, after this uh, short break. Scabble, will you be a man? 